we had a thing in high school that says quitters never win and winners never winners never quit. That stuck with me from day one after I started playing high school football. And that's been really my motivator going forward. So why would two guys leave comfortable jobs, move across the country and start a business in an industry they don't know, a place they don't know, and could it be successful? We're Dale and Brian Carmi. Join us as we share our story and inspire you to become people of impact. Welcome to the Impact Without Limits podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Impact Without Limits podcast. This is Dale Carmi. I'm sitting here with my brother, Brian Carmi. Hello. This is one of our special sessions we have at the end of every month. And today our guest is Dennis Scott, um, sometimes known as Vincent Scott, sometimes known as Scott. Can we get to the bottom of Scott. this? I've heard you called three different names and I, I need to know what you prefer. It all depends. If you're my mom... I'm Vincent if I'm in trouble. Okay. <laughs> I'm Dennis if I like to have fun. I'm Scott because I've been in the military. So my okay. military name was Scott. There you go. So, All right. But if that you call helps. me Vincent, that must be pretty serious. All right. So we'll <laughs> stick with Dennis for now. Thank you. But. So Dennis, I, I know you, Lauren, I've known you and, and your wife, Mary, for a handful of years. And, and we know each other because our daughters are best friends. But I've gotten to know you a little bit better over the last few years and just uh, really appreciate you and, and the type of person you are and who you are. So so we're excited to have you here. Again, our podcast is called Impact Without Limits, and, and uh, I, I view you as a person of impact, the, the things you've done, the things you've seen, and, and just not that, just the way you carry yourself uh, is, is very impressive to me. So we're excited to have you on, but give us a, a, a minute bio or, or you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family. Okay, I grew up in southeast Georgia, a town called Jessup, Georgia, family of four with my parents. Uh, both of our, all of our kids, all of the kids played football, baseball. So we really got into the sports at a young age. Uh, but my story is a little different. I really didn't get into sports till my junior year in high school. Yeah, that makes guys like Brian and me yeah. angry. I heard that. We and started I had to playing go puke for a little bit. I, <laughs> I worked my butt off to just barely play in high school and here you are strolling on the field as a junior in high school and you went on to play at Virginia Tech. Correct, correct. And the only reason I ever played football is I look back at my father. He was a good football player. I said, I think I may have some of that in me. So I began to investigate that, began to train. But the only reason I ever played football is that I wanted to get a scholarship and didn't have to pay for college. That's the only reason I ever played. I said, I can do that and get a scholarship free. Hmm. And that motivated me to play high school football. Then I moved on to Virginia Tech after that. So it worked. You got a scholarship after two years of high school football. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's end but, this thing. <laughs> but you didn't. You didn't just play football. You also ran track. Correct. I was a sprinter, hundred meters, two hundred meters. Back in those days, when I was running, it was like two hundred yard dash. Yeah. Hundred yard dash, and I ran in high school. For two years, went on to Virginia Tech, made All American there, finishing sixth in the country in nineteen ninety eight. From that point, wow. 
I kind of qualified for the Olympic trials. Yeah, not 98. 78. 78. Yeah, say. You got to college late. <laughs> well, yeah, to put them up there. Look, you're a young looking man, but wow. <laughs> 78. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, that's just like astounding to me. Like, I could work my whole life and, and, I mean, couldn't even come close to that. So how much of that was giftedness and how much of that was once you realized you had a gift, like you, you worked your butt off in running and football and, and things. I think after I identified that I had the gifts, I just began to develop very strong work ethics day in and day out, relentless workouts, just committed to being successful, committed to doing my best. We had a thing in high school that says, Quitters never win, and winner never, winners never quit. That stuck with me from day one after I started playing high school football. And that's been really my motivator going forward. So what did you play in high school? What positions? I played running back. Yeah? At about 160, <laughs> soaking wet. Yeah. And that was interesting because being a junior coming out for football, there was a lot of senior running backs ahead of me. Uh, I got my break the first Opening game of my junior year, the number one running back went down, and they called my number, and it was on after that. Yeah. So you didn't you didn't miss the opportunity. Absolutely. <laughs> I also think that was part of preparation, just mentally, physically, yeah. knowing that if you get an opportunity, you must try to excel. That's kind of been my motivator. Do you have any of the old game films? Not from the seventies. <laughs> I know. It was the old reel with what sixteen millimeter and Absolutely. I, I, I wanted to find out if there's still any game films from when I played and, and most of them were gone and I think one of my buddies found he had one reel, so I hurried up and destroyed it so my kids wouldn't know the truth about <laughs> about how I really played. <laughs> Let them live on the stories I told. I'm guessing if we had film from Dennis it would be a little It'd different, different than film from yeah. us. Yeah. You'd probably see him running by me or something like that. So two sport athlete in college. Right. But you you were really there for the education? Like, I mean, you, you wanted the scholarship. Like, sports was a vehicle for you, not the goal. Is Correct. that right? Correct. Okay. And the difference is that I have a brother who played in the NFL. His goal was to pay in the NFL. My goal was to go to college and get a free education. And believe it or not, it worked out exactly like that. Yeah. yeah. So I think what you tell yourself early, you really work hard towards it. The results will pay. Your results will show. So you're a believer in setting goals. Absolutely. No, knowing what you want to do, putting it out there, and then working, working to get it. Absolutely, every yeah. day. So your brother, I don't want to get off track too far, but you said he was a first round draft pick. Yes. Of the New Orleans Saints. Correct. 1980. 1980. And did, did you have any other family that played uh, cousins, or was there anybody else? Or no, it was basically my brother played baseball at Tuskegee. I played football at Virginia Tech, and my brother Lindsay played at the University of Georgia. That's awesome. So you finish college. What's next? You start start a career? Yes. In college, believe it or not, I joined the ROTC at Virginia Tech. And the reason I joined the ROTC at Virginia Tech, you get $100 a month. Okay, so $100 like a, a month. Per, I'm, I'm sensing everything you do, there's a purpose. $100 a, a month in 1975 was awesome. Yeah. So not only that, it provided me an opportunity to gain experience with leadership. Plus, physical conditioning was very important to me. So I became a part of that community. And I always wanted to give back. 
I'm not afraid of the military. No one in my family ever been to the military, but it was an opportunity to, to give back. I wanted to be a part of that. So I joined the ROTC there, went through that. After graduation, I had opportunity to work at West Point Military Academy. It was my first assignment. There I was a second lieutenant, and I coached college football at that same time. So that began my journey after college, moving into my military career, my short college coaching career, to now being a district manager in pharmaceuticals. That's quite a trip. Quite a trip. So tell me about your time at West Point. I, you, you know, you, you grew up in Georgia. You went to high school. You went to Virginia Tech. You joined the ROTC. There's probably some structure there, but... I mean, I visited West Point a couple times. That seems so structured, so formal, so um, regimented, which I'm assuming it has to be. But what was that like for you? Was that something you enjoyed and embraced? Was that a struggle? Well, it's, I enjoyed it because I, going through playing high school football, college football, the military was very similar. A lot of discipline, a lot of organization. Uh, a lot of regiment. If you don't believe, it, ask my kids. That's still there. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that from Emily a couple times. <laughs> so organization, leadership uh, is is things that I really, really center my life around. Everything that I do, structure from day one to now. It's good and it's bad. Uh, I learned to be a little more flexible. Uh, I remember my first job as a district manager. They thought I was just coming out of Saudi Arabia, a desert storm. Because it was pretty serious. Everything had to be structured. Everything had to be laid out. Everything had to be organized. And you had to be on time. That was a big pet peeve of mine. So how'd you do today when we made you wait to start this <laughs> this podcast? I was grinding. Were you doing okay? <laughs> like I said, I learned to be flexible. So. Yeah, that's good. So interesting enough, you guys can't see Dennis, but... You are always smiling. You're always happy. Why? Tell, tell me about that. Uh, I think that's where the dentist part comes in, like yeah. Dennis the Menace. <laughs> I'm smiling because I'm most of the time in trouble. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but I enjoy life. I enjoy people. I like to have fun. I like to spread the love. I like to be around people. Yeah. yeah enjoy life. I mean, that's one of our Forever Long Fs is fun. So you fit right in with that. So do you... Is is that a conscious effort? Like, if you're having a bad day, do you tell yourself, "Hey, I I need to get myself in a better place. I need to be in a a better attitude," or is that just more natural for you? You just have a naturally happy disposition. I think it's natural, but I also think it's built in. I think I I wake up every morning on the bright side of things. I, I'm a believer. I know where my strength comes from. My faith is very important to me. So I wake up in the morning with that mindset. If I wake up in the morning with that mindset, that set the tone for the day. Not only that, it set the tone for the week. I have a regiment that I do every Monday morning at 6 a.m. to start my week off. So I start my week off. What, what, what is that regimen? It's prayer. Okay. Meditation and study. It's, I call it like my power hour. Okay. And I do that mostly every morning before I start work. And what I've learned over the years is that if I stay dedicated to my faith, no matter what I'm facing that day, I can accomplish it. Because if I make him first in everything that I do, I try not to worry about anything else, if that makes sense. Absolutely. 
Now, I want to come back and drill down a little bit because I've heard you give a message, I believe, to your kids if they came down didn't have a happy face. Do you want to tell me about that? Well, when my boys was growing up, and even the girls, and they have a sad face, I said, or how do you feel? I feel okay. I say, look in the mirror. Look at your face. Your face <laughs> is sounding something totally different. So I always try to get them to see themselves in the mirror, which, which, which was a reflection of who they are at that moment. If you want to be happy, put a smiley face on. You can't say, Dad, I'm happy, and, and you're not smiling. Right. So we would say, look in the mirror. What is your face telling you? Yep. Yeah, that's, that's telling you the truth, right? The mirror's not going to lie right there. Correct. Yeah. So uh, you're talking about faith. Faith's very important to us. You know that we're we're Christian men. Faith is at the top of our culture. Our our five F, or five Fs. You're also a pastor. Yes. Tell tell us a little bit about that. When when did that happen? I mean, you're you're playing football. You're you're running sprints. You're at West Point. You're in the military. You're selling pharmaceuticals, and now you're a pastor. Yes. Uh, that goes back to my childhood. I mean, we were raised in the church, around the church. I always been involved in ministry from six years old, old from six years old, and I always had a calling to make a difference. And I've been doing this now. I'm 65 years old. I've been doing this now for 60 years. So it's just kind of who I am, what I believe in. And so I went on to college and really getting involved in ministry in college. After, shortly after that, I became very involved in youth ministry. Uh, we worked very strongly in youth ministry, a lot of time, a lot of energy. Even when our kids were small, everything we did was youth-based, ministry-based. And that led to being a, what they call a deacon in church, so another, another level of leadership. Then I became a minister. Then I became an associate pastor, a staff pastor. And that, inc- that includes a lot of things. I mean, I still work with youth, still work with a lot of young adults. But I think my passion, Mary, my passion now is we family. We really believe in coaching families. We do a lot of, spend a lot of time coaching young couples before they get married and after they get married. And that is some interesting ministry if you want to yeah. talk about that. And so we're, we're committed to that. We always be committed to that. So, and we just do whatever the Lord calls us to do. We're committed. Um, at this point, I would go, I would do whatever he tells me to do. That's awesome. So we talk about um, this this podcast, Impact Without Limits, and about how you know we in our, our daily lives can have impact on others. And I mean, all of the, the different things you've done, I mean, it, it, I'm sure you've had a, a lot of impact. But what do you, like, do you look for ways that you can speak into somebody's life or serve somebody or how do you view your ability to make an impact on others? Well, I look for opportunities, uh, especially with young people, young adults, even at work. Uh, and it's not so about, it's not, it's not about what I say it's about what I do. The life that I live speaks more than what I say. So when I'm around young people, I care myself in a way that God would want me to represent him. I mean, couples, same situation, family, same situation. So my life is not what I say. My life is what I live. And I'm committed to that, being faithful, being committed. That's just kind of who I am. I I was just going to ask, because you look back. I mean, I don't want to run through all this stuff. I don't know if we actually said it, but I believe you're in the Virginia Tech Hall of Fame. 
Is that right? Yes. I don't remember the date. But is, is that football track combination? It, 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 was, it, was, it was a dual combination, football and track. I made All-America, and then I started my football my junior, senior year. So I had a pretty okay football career, but my track career was much better. Than- <laughs> I'm sorry. You just said pretty okay. Yeah. I thought I had a pretty okay football career, and I didn't make it out of high school. All right. Um, what, but as you, So you have Virginia Tech Hall of Fame, coached at West Point. You're a... a, a a pastor, a pharmaceutical rep, successful in the in the business world. What what would you say your biggest accomplishment is? Marrying my wife, Mary. Seriously, she's a godsend. She's a blessing. Uh, before Mary, I was married once before, and my wife and I we went to Desert Storm, and she came back with a form of cancer. So you go through that. You lose your wife, two kids, and I prayed to God. I say, God, send me someone who's equally yoked spiritually that I can walk with and make a difference. And it took a while. I was very patient and God blessed me with her. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, As you go through that, patience is something I often struggle with. And, you know, I think we live, especially in a culture today where we want things immediately and it's not often that we get our timing. And when we do, sometimes we end up, you know, messing things up. How, how do you, how do you be patient in a time like that? Well, I try to stay focused. Um, everything I want, I don't get. I've, I've challenged myself. I've had some goals and ambitions that I thought I wanted to do. And I began to venture out, but I always come back to prayer. I say, okay, Lord, if this is for me, Please allow it. And there are some crazy ideas that Mary and I thought about. I mean, we had some crazy ideas. We drew up business plans to start a youth ministry. We drew up business plan to own a business and start a, a ministry around a university. And, and we ventured out. But at the end of the day, we kind of came to our senses and God said, okay, not at this time. So our faith really plays a very important uh, role in our decision making. I know the Bible says seek him first. We do that. But like you said, we also try things on our own. And sometimes it don't always work out. But we learn to just be patient and wait on the Lord. And he's been blessing us. So you you obviously went through hardship. Went through uh, something incredibly difficult. And everybody in life is going to go through hardship. You can't get around it. How do you... How do you deal with that? How do you anchor yourself dealing with the loss of a spouse? How do you anchor yourself when something terrible happens at work, when uh, relationships go awry, what what have you? Uh, what, what's your advice on that? Well, I think that when I, when I look at the decisions that I've made and things that I've been through, uh, faithfulness is big. It goes back to my faith. Even after I lost my first wife, it was trusting God that he will bless me with another young lady that could be a blessing to me. Not only that, I think when I look at obstacles, adversity, difficult times, my mindset is that what is the purpose behind this obstacle or setback? And I've learned to feel through that from a spiritual perspective, not so much focusing on me. When I go through things, I say, okay, God, what's the spiritual message behind this challenge? And if I'm patient, prayerful, he will reveal that to me and I can move forward. 
So I don't look at it as a setback. I look at it as an opportunity, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I got a question for you on goals. You talked about you know, you're, you're a goal-driven person. You set goals. When, when you started college, did you have a goal for what your life was going to look like after college? No, I did not have an exact goal, but I knew what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to, uh, to be in a situation where either I'm going to be a school teacher, I'm going to be a coach, I'm going to be in the military. That was kind of the pattern that I was looking at. So you were thinking about the military even early on in starting your college career? Yes, but there was a reason behind that. Okay. Because when I was coming through Virginia Tech in the mid to late 70s, jobs were hard to find. So I said, if I can't get a good job, I always can go to the military and make it a career. So there was a a purpose behind that decision and that thought process. What kind of advice would you give to, to, I mean, I know you've, You've got a daughter. We've got daughters uh, the same age, um, getting, just getting ready to start college. If somebody else is out there and listening right now, and, and they're at this point where they're maybe starting school, but they don't know what that looks like for them five years from now, what kind of advice would you give them? Well, Emily and I, we talk a lot. And um, we talk about, first of all, knowing who you are, knowing what you want. Your values are very important. So I think that If I could talk about my kids, if we plant values in them, train them upright, they will make the right decision. Maybe not when dad wants them to make the right decision, but eventually they will make the right decision. So we really believe in that planting those seeds, encouragement, direction, coaching, always doing it. Even young people that I meet, I'm, I'm a mentor coach. I try to encourage them to do what's right. Be faithful, be committed, be responsible, be respectful. So those are the values that I'm always coaching and teaching no matter what am I, what am I, what am I doing. This is good values. And, um, you know, we have, I think we're going to be doing a segment coming up on the law of the harvest, but you're talking about planting the seeds and uh, you will reap what you sow. It's just, Many times it comes at a later date. So right. you plant the seeds, you plant the seeds, you plant the seeds, believing that that is going to come back to harvest at some point. Yes. I'd like to share with you something that made a difference in my life in the last three years. I read a book on grass. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I started reading this book, and it wasn't so much of the grass that I was intrigued by. It was the life that I was reading about the experience that I was reading about. I'm going like, wow, who are these guys? I mean, that was a blessing to me to see your dedication, your commitment, your faithfulness, and how you touch other people. I mean, I gave it to my brother. I said, forget about the grass business. Look at the value and the content on how these guys live their life. And they're blessed. And not only that, they're sharing it with others. I mean, that really attracted me to this relationship that we have. Because that's what we need more of. And I just want to thank you guys for sharing that information with me and my family. And it's making a difference. Uh, Thank you. That's a blessing to us to hear you say that. And, you, you know, we... 
when we finally made the decision to put it into a book, that was the purpose. The, the purpose was um, maybe somebody will read this and it will have an impact. Maybe somebody will read this and pull value out of it. It wasn't telling our story so people know our story, but it was, uh, we believe our story, you know, the good and the bad is a gift from God and we need to be faithful to use it as, as, as he gives us opportunity. So um, that blesses me to hear you say that. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I echo that. That's, that's quite a high praise and a compliment coming from you. Very humbling. Um, and, you know, we, we decided that when we, you know, you, you read that, that book, it isn't a, a series of successes. It's a series of failures. And really we, we learned from our failures and we thought maybe some other people can learn from those failures too and not have to live some of those same failures. But, um, so I, I, just to ask you, so obviously you've had a lot of successes you've learned from, but what are some of the, the failures or setbacks that have been most impactful in your life? I think one, one of the biggest challenges I had growing up is that I start with the football experience. I was probably a buck 50, buck 60 soaking wet. You'd never make it. You can't yeah. do this. Uh, but I was driven by knowing that I had the gifts and the talents to do it. I was driven by my faith. And now I captured the the. The scripture, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And my favorite one was, I would trust in the Lord with all my heart, lean out upon my own understanding. He would direct my path. I started that my senior year in high school. That took me four years through Virginia Tech. Took me all the way to my life now. I really believe that. So the setback and the challenge that I had was to prove not to myself, but to be faithful and maximize my potential. That's my goal. That drives me. That's awesome. I want to ask you, and we're probably going to wrap up here in a minute, but I want to ask you about um, your military. First, I want to thank you for serving. Uh, that That is such a blessing to all of us as Americans to have people like you who are willing to sacrifice to serve us and serve our country. So thank you for that. But um, just just tell me there, what I, we don't want to go too deep, but what was that experience like and maybe what was what were some great uh, lessons or takeaways you have from your, your time serving in the military? Uh, number one, I think it's commitment, serving, and blessing others, and protecting others. I mean, I went to Desert Storm not to be a hero, but to make a sacrifice that we, as Americans, could be free without any threat. I will leave my life out on the line for that. That was my commitment. So I learned commitment, I learned faithfulness, service, caring for others, and protecting others. Well, again, thank you. Thank you for doing that. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I I mean I'm I'm just sitting here thinking this is you're you're in the military. You're not enlisting like as a as an 18-year-old kid. At this point, you've gone through college, you've graduated, you're coaching at West Point. And, and I guess even coaching at West Point was part of your service, right? Correct. And then you get deployed. Are you a little disappointed when you get that call that you've got to go overseas? No, because in the environment that we're in, you kind of prepare for that. So after I left, left West Point, I went from coaching football at University of Central Florida into the pharmaceutical business, and I was in the Army Reserves. So I went to Delta Storm via the reserves. Okay. So in the reserves, you prepare monthly for situations like this. You saw this thing escalating over time. So you begin to prepare for that. So when you get the calling, 
Are you surprised? No. Are you excited? Somewhat. Are you afraid? Absolutely. Because now game is on. So we got, I got this call, believe it or not, the day after Christmas. Mm-hmm. You've been ordered to active duty because now you're headed to Saudi Arabia for Desert Storm. Wow. That was a shocker. But yeah. in my mind, I was prepared. In my mind, I was committed to the mission. In my mind, I was committed to freedom. So I moved forward. All right. So I, wrap, I want to wrap up here. I want to give you an open opportunity to say if there's anything you want to say. But um, you said you're 65. I find that hard to believe sitting here looking at you. Yeah, we might need to see I, a birth certificate I, of records on this that one. Or, or he, he found, I was believing him when he said 98. He was in sky. Hey, we're about the same age. That seems I right. Think he found Doc Brown in the time machine from Back to the Future. <laughs> But um, you're you're considering you know a change in your life. You're you're now a grandparent, but you're you're looking at a potential move. Uh, what do you, what do you see ahead for you? Um, what I, are you looking forward to? Well, I, I think we're, we're me and Mary and I we're committed to ministry number one, and it's not so much of being a pastor, just touching lives, helping other people, young people, couples, and no matter where we go, that will probably be our number one mission, our commitment. Uh, I think we look forward to uh, probably spending more time together, but that time will be also involved in in some type of program activities, mentoring. We do a lot of mentoring now. I'm really looking forward to pursuing being a mentor for leadership. I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we're facing in our country now is a lack of leadership. I'm totally committed to that. I'm studying every day. I'm preparing myself every day to be a mentor for leaders. Uh, I even have some young employees that I'm taking under my wings just to talk about leadership because it's, it, we, we, we need more of it, the right leadership. So I'm committed to that. That would be part of my retirement program and activity is to mentor and ministry would be the top two and family would be the top three things that we focus on. Shuffleboard in there anywhere? I don't see. I guess on one hand, this could be an athletic event I could beat you at, shuffleboard. I wouldn't right? put any money against Dennis. I'm sorry. Bri, I love you, but I got my money on Dennis. I want to go see a 100-yard sprint right now, Dale versus Dennis. <laughs> well, you'd only have to watch half of it for me because I'm done after You can pull 15. the hamstring halfway through yeah. the DNF. Uh, no, that's awesome. Dennis, thank you very much. Thank you for... Um, your friendship and the impact you've had on us, but thank you for coming on the, the podcast with us and sharing with, with our audience. And for those of you out there, hopefully you've got uh, as much out of this uh, episode as we did. Um, and if you did, we'd encourage you to share it, share it with some friends, um, send an email, send a text uh, with a screenshot of the, the podcast or with a link. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So if you have any feedback, uh, feel free to email us at podcast at Yeah, well, guys, let's go out there and and, uh, make an impact. See you next week. This is the Fred Carmi reminding you that faith looks up, hope looks ahead, and love looks all around to see whom it can help. Good day.